The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, who sins you forgive or forgiven them, and who sins you retain or retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with him. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he had said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Jesus answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we bring our retreat reflections to a close, we've been looking over the course of the past several days at different quotes from St. Teresa of Avila. And as it's gone, each of those quotes in some way connected to each other. We've also been trying to see the, thre the thread or the strand of divine mercy leading through it all. In the last talk that we gave, we looked at Teresa's phrase, con pantalones, with pants. And how it meant that we as Christians, both men and women alike, need to be strong, exhibit those manly virtues, to not be weak in the knees, and to cave whenever suffering comes. And so I think for a reflection, this idea of con pantalones, of the need to have courage and strength, is very much applicable to the feast we celebrate today. That is the Feast of Divine Mercy. Because a lot of us may think, well, okay, Divine Mercy, there's this beautiful picture and the rays coming from Jesus' heart, and God loves and forgives everybody. It's such a beautiful feast that it's easy. That really, living Divine Mercy doesn't take much strength. It doesn't take the con pantalones attitude. But there couldn't be anything further from the truth. One, God's mercy is infinite. Yes, he's willing to give it to us, but God's mercy cost the blood and water, not just water, but the blood that flowed from Jesus' side as that fount of mercy for us. Jesus had to suffer. He had to die in order to be raised to new life so that the Lord might pour his mercy on us. And so Christ had to exhibit those manly virtues of perseverance, of enduring suffering, so that he might triumph over sin and death. But more particularly, the need for these manly virtues of strength really come when we apply divine mercy 
to our lives. Again, I think that we can think that mercy is cheap, that it's somehow easy, it sounds nice. But if we reflect on it, we're going to understand that it takes a lot of strength to live divine mercy. Strength that not only really comes from us, but more importantly, comes from the grace of God that is poured out to us and poured out on us. And the first way is this. The first way that we need this con pantalonis attitude comes to receiving mercy. Receiving mercy. And you think, well, why is that, Father? Well, because to be able to receive mercy from others or from God, we have to do something that a lot of people don't like to do that find it very, very difficult to do, some people would almost find it impossible. And what is that? Admit that you were wrong. Admit that we sinned. Admit that we have offended God and we've offended others. By our actions, we have hurt other people and therefore in need of mercy. That's the first big hurdle. There are a lot of people out there who don't want to admit they did anything wrong. I'm justified. It's your fault. We like to blame others. We like to be oblivious and somehow justify what we did. But the fact of the matter is, we are all sinners. Scripture says even the just man sins seven times a day. And that we need to receive mercy. But it takes a lot of strength, a lot of grace con pantalones, to be able to admit that we were wrong and to ask for mercy. Why is that? Because of our own pride, because of our own narcissistic tendencies, because of our own hard-headedness. So whenever we've hurt someone else, a friend or a family member, we would rather have that friendship go to pot and not talk to that person for 10 years, 20 years, rather than say, you know what, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? That person may not want to show you mercy, but you've taken the first step to say that you're sorry. And it's so sad, I've seen so many friendships and families that were so strong, broke to pieces, shattered, because someone was too prideful to be able to say they were sorry and ask and receive mercy. It takes a lot of strength. The other example that takes a lot of strength to receive mercy from God is the fact that even though we know that here in today's gospel, Jesus extended his peace to his apostles who abandoned him, but then institutes the sacrament of confession. Whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you hold bound, they are held bound. He gave them the authority to forgive sins. And therefore, if they're going to forgive the sins of others, they have to know the sins of others, which means we have got to confess our sins. But yet it is so difficult, even knowing that Christ does not mean us any harm, that Christ has given us this gift, how hard it is for people to go to confession. How hard it is. No problem going to communion, but how hard it is to go to confession. And I can understand the fear that we have. Maybe sometimes when we were younger, we had the bad experience with a priest and say, well, I don't want to go to confession anymore. That's like saying I had a bad experience with a teacher, therefore I'm giving up school. I had a bad experience with a doctor, therefore I'm just going to get sick and never go to a doctor. It doesn't make any sense. 
we had a bad experience with the priest, we need to forgive that priest and go back to receive confession. And so, so happy priests are when someone has been away for a long period of time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, to come. And so often was holding them back. It was the smallest little thing. And most priests just give you two Hail Marys for it and say, all right, go say your act of contrition. Because we allow that fear to take over. And so we need the confidentialness attitude to realize there is nothing to fear in the sacrament of confession. There's nothing to fear in receiving God's mercy. And the analogy that I use is so often we're like children. Our parents said, do not play with the knife. And we decide, we'll play with the knife. And as a result, we cut a big gash in our hands. And we start screaming and crying. And our parents run in and they see us bleeding. They see the knife in our hands. What does a father do? What is the reaction of a father? The father immediately sees the child in pain. Knows the child probably did something stupid. But the first thing is going to be, let's clean you up. Let's get some stitches. And then we'll talk about the dumb thing you did later. It's the care for the child. We know that no earthly father will come up and say, oh, you cut yourself. I'm going to let you bleed out for about 10 minutes. You're going to suffer. And then we're going to go ahead and talk about your punishment. And then maybe we'll go ahead and clean that up. No. The father's first gesture is mercy. It's caring about the child who's hurt. And so when we sin, we have this idea that we've offended God We've hurt ourselves, we've hurt others, and we're so ashamed to admit what we did because we think God the Father's there saying, I know what you did. You disobeyed me. I'm going to make you suffer. No. The Lord wants to show us his mercy. There's no reason that we should be frightened. And we pray for that courage to overcome, to receive the mercy from the Lord. But what's the other way? What's that other way, that second way, that we need to understand the con pantalones, to pray for strength and courage when it comes to this feast of divine mercy? It really comes when it comes for us showing mercy to others who've hurt us, who've hurt us. Not just our enemies. Jesus says we have to be able to forgive and pray for our enemies. That, in a certain sense, is easy. Well, this person is my enemy. But when it comes to our friends and family members, people who are close to us, people who we love, who've betrayed us, who've hurt us, who've disappointed us, who've done things to destroy us, that's when it becomes very, very difficult to say, I forgive you. Because we want to cling on to our own pain want to hold on to our hurt or to our pride or to justice. You did me wrong. But to be able to say, yeah, you did me wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of pain, but you know what? I forgive you for what you did. And we're going to journey together into this path of reconciliation. It takes a lot of strength to be able to do that, to put away our pride and to put away our pain and say, I forgive you. There's one author who talks about spouses in particular who hurt each other, intentionally or unintentionally, and like to harbor that resentment, that unforgiveness. And what happens is they're willing to say, I'm sorry. What they've done is they have instituted the resurrection. The resurrection from a love, a relationship that had died, from a pain that was there, to saying, let's walk together. Let's bring this relationship back from the dead, and we do it by the words, 
I forgive you. I accept your apology. And even if they're not really sorry, to show them that forgiveness. Now, they may not say, they may say, I have nothing to be sorry about. Or they may reject your acceptance of forgiveness. That's their own business. But it's for us to be able to have the strength, that manly strength, to be able to say, I forgive you for what you've done. Because I know that sometimes men and women, maybe women in particular, like to hold on to the pain, like to hold on to the grudges. Sometimes men do it too, but in general, if you're a man and you hurt me, I'm going to sort of forgive you, we're going to yell at each other, then we're going to have a beer and everything's going to be fine. Women, on the other hand, can be a little different. Fifteen years ago, she criticized my china at Christmas dinner. And I'm never talking to her again. Ah, wait. You know, okay, maybe she did that, but let's say that we're sorry. I, I forgive her. Try to have some understanding. It's hard. It's hard. But it is that path to the resurrection. It is that path to reconciling relationships. Because ultimately, it's not that difficult if we understand that other people make mistakes. That other people are not perfect. That sometimes people have a bad day. I really know this because there's one type of person that most Christians, they'll forgive anybody. But there's one type of person they will not forgive, and that's the priest. It's really, really bad. I have a bad day too sometimes. I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and I'm not as nice, and I'm not as kind as I should be. Sisters, of course, never are like that. They're always kind of nice. <laughs> I can't believe Father didn't smile at me after Mass. I'm leaving the church. You think I'm joking. I mean, I'm not. The stupidest little thing, instead of saying, you know what, maybe Father's having a bad day. It's the same logic we apply to others. If we could understand our weakness and the weakness of others, the reason they hurt us, to make excuses for them, to say maybe they're broken themselves, maybe they're having a bad day, it makes it much easier. But still, we need the Lord's strength to be able to forgive. And so on this Divine Mercy Feast Day, as we wrap up our reflections, as we celebrate Divine Mercy, realize that Divine Mercy is not cheap. It's not cheap. It costs Jesus a lot, but he was willing to do so, to go through the cross in order to be able to reconcile man to God and God to man. More importantly, in our own lives, we are called to mercy, and it's not easy. It takes that divine grace, that con pantalones, to be able to receive the Lord's mercy and the mercy of others, to admit that we're sorry, but more importantly, to grant that mercy and that forgiveness to others. Amen.